Hello, everybody. Kyle here doing a long overdue Stellaris emergency broadcast. Don't worry, I haven't forgotten about the show and fret not even less have I stopped playing. In fact, my friends and I are in the middle of a, uh, what, two-day heated battle going on. A great war across the galaxy. And that's my dog, Louie, in the background making some sounds. We did a huge move from Salt Lake City, Utah, back to my home state of Pennsylvania, near the Pittsburgh area, 1,600 and some miles in a U-Haul, a four-day excursion, adventure, and um, a lot of bit of a stressor. You know, putting your life into a back of a truck and moving it is a, uh, a hard thing to do. But in all coolness, I've come and taken over the home I grew up in, which is an old Victorian-era home from somewhere around the 1850s. It was being rented out for a while, and uh, fell in disrepair. So that's what's been going on on my side is a very brief thing. There's a ton more information available to you up on um, the revelatornetwork.com, our main website. I've got actually a little YouTube series going and talking about what we're doing with the house. If you want to check that out, I know it's a little bit like not Stellaris related, but it's called My Haunted Victorian Home on YouTube. Uh, revelatornetwork.com forward slash news has blog posts about it. I'm trying to get a new episode out every Tuesday. But if you want to keep up with what I'm doing, that is very new. There's two episodes up there. There's somewhere around like 15-ish minutes a piece. Uh, but I've been a little quiet on the Stellaris front, not only because of the move, but also because there was a long silence on their part. I believe they said that they were taking the summer off. And I think we talked about that just very briefly in the, the previous episode. But seriously, that was somewhere around a month ago. My brain has completely forgotten with everything that's gone on. Let's dive into Stellaris Dev Diary 219, talking about selectable traditions. This is very cool. I also have one, maybe a little rant to put in towards the end. I don't remember how much I've talked about this in the past on the show, but we need to talk about maintenance jobs, if they should exist, if it's a mechanic that serves us, or is it just the most tedious game of micromanagement in the metagame that is Stellaris. So without further ado, Dev Diary 219. They start off by saying, greetings and salutations, space fans. Today we're back with another, another blah, 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 blah. Today we're back with another Dev Diary, and the topic at hand is the feature improvements coming to the tradition system. Back in Dev Diary 214, we announced the LEM update and the custodian initiative. We talked about how to make selectable traditions. It goes on to say, selecting your traditions. We know there's been mods that have extended the amount of traditions for some time now, and we also know that it's something that parts of the community have been asking for as well. For us, traditions have always been an important part of customizing and specializing your empire during play. And although we, of course, like giving players more customization options, we also need to maintain a balance. We didn't simply want to keep adding new traditions without having the UI support it as well. And we didn't want to give players too many options right away, which can lead to choice overload. Interesting, there's a little link to that. So I wonder, what's this go to really quickly? Oh, it actually goes to a Wikipedia page about overload of choices. That's fascinating. There's a guy that used to have to study that a little bit in college here and there. I love the ideas of choice overload. And Stellaris, you guys, um, you're probably my favorite video game I have. Uh, but also as a fan that loves you very much, I can say, Ugh, I don't know the choice overload's your problem. I'd say it's micro overload. I might end up dipping into that maintenance conversation here before we get too, too far into this anyway. It, it just is looking at this. 
Continuing, they say, we felt it was a good time to review the tradition system because we wanted to add a few more tradition trees and open up the avenues for doing more of that in the future where it makes sense. Let's dive into the changes. Keep in mind that nothing is final and we're missing art. Feedback is always welcome. They say, we're improving the tradition system so that you no longer are locked into the same set of seven traditions with some swaps, but you can rather pick which tradition tree you want to go into of the seven slots. Let's reread that. We're improving the tradition system so that you're no longer locked to the same set of seven, but you can rather pick which tradition tree you want to go into in one of these seven slots. Okay, so now what we're looking at is, what's that? Eight, nine, 10, 11. I did math. So there's 11 tradition trees showing here now. Uh, we have adaptability, diplomacy, discovery, domination, all old. We have expansion, harmony, Oop, that's a new one coming up there. Uh, pros I'm going to skip it. Prosperity and supremacy. Those are all old. But what we're seeing is new ones here. Mercantile, unyielding, and subterfuge. Those are the three new ones. So again, what's happening is you will eventually be able to pick seven tradition trees, but the pool is larger than seven. So that way you can add new ones and you can skip ones that are irrelevant to you or your play style. Uh, I'll just give an, a quick an opinion statement here and say, I think this is really, really awesome. I play with the mod Expanded Stellaris Traditions. Took me a second to find it in my list. This is a really, really cool mod. It adds 23 new tradition trees. Oh, I'm sorry. It says 23 new slots for tradition trees. 48 new trees added, including tradition swaps. Okay, so that means they went through and replaced some stuff. That mod is really, really cool. It seems like what Stellaris is doing is taking an approach of following in those footsteps, but without overwhelming a group, because really the mods are like that mod, I'd say is for somewhere at least like around intermediate players or at least brave players. I wouldn't want to stick a brand new person coming to Stellaris with 23 or so tree options to choose from. That would just be madness. And still at the point where I'm playing with it, I I've been using that mod for Oh, gosh, maybe like six or so, maybe more months than that. And there's still things in there I'm just finding. So definitely understand the choice overload they discussed above, because um, that mod has that in bulk. But uh, let's let's dive right back into what they're saying here in the notes. They say some of the tradition trees that were previously swaps of other trees, like adaptability being swapped for diplomacy, are now their own trees again. This means that adaptability, for example, is now available to all non-machine empires. Synchronicity is still mutually exclusive with Harmony. One will appear if you're a Gestalt Empire and the other a regular one. Versatility is available to all machine empires. This is speaking about uh, how sometimes you have specific tradition trees facing based on who you're actually playing as. Because if you're a machine empire, uh, some of the more individualistic humanoid sort of things don't fit that vibe and i'm sure the perks didn't work appropriately or wouldn't have made too much sense it's kind of a question i'm gonna have going forward too is like just thinking about this mercantile one i guess we're gonna dive into that right down here but uh we're gonna talk about what it adds and i'm curious to know if it will help gestalt things because you know me i'm a gestalt man changes to existing traditions other than allowing you to select your own tradition trees We've also changed some traditions with the existing trees. Let's take a look at some of those changes. Okay, these are gonna get down the weeds for a sec. Domination. 
Judgment Corps no longer increases crime prevention, but rather makes your enforcers produce one unity. Privy Council now also increases your edict cap by one. I like that. Finisher no longer provides plus one monthly influence. Ew. But rather increases admin cap by 20%. Mm, I don't know. Okay, wait. So no longer increases crime prevention, but rather make sure enforcers produce one unity. I love unity. I love edicts, but I also love influence. So uh, maybe they find that there's like an influence glut sort of too much happening. Not sure how I feel about that. Diplomacy. Open markets replaced with diplomatic networking. Embassy packs now produce three unity. Oh, okay. So having an embassy will make unity now. Secure shipping replaced with eminent diplomats. Diplomatic acceptance increased by plus five. And your envoys that are improving relations have a 1% chance per month to gain a favor from the target empire. Hmm. Diplomatic acceptance increased by five. I mean, that sounds good. And your envoys are going to have a chance to gain favors. I like that idea. I really do. 1% seems real low, but maybe I'm... Uh, it's each month. So I guess you have like, what, 12, 12 rules in a year um, to get that 1%. So I don't know if 1%... 1% sounds low, but with that many rolls, maybe it's not. Insider trading replaced with trust or bust. Trust cap goes up by plus 50. Trust growth by plus 33%. That should be uh, working with... Honestly, I'm not sure about the trust cap. Is the tr trust, trust cap's for everybody? I always think of it in terms of subsidiary stuff, which I, I want to remind people, I, I think that's very broken. Like when you take on a vassal and such, when it says that they won't have any diplomatic authority in the future, but yet they still vote against you on the council, that's really strange. If there's any Stellaris devs out there, that should definitely be something the LEM team looks at, like, right away. Custodian initiative team. I mean, that just doesn't seem right. I, I could be terribly wrong. Uh, but yeah, doesn't seem good. So maybe get that fixed in there, too. Finisher. No longer increases trust cap or trust growth, but rather increases diplomatic weight by 10% and plus one envoy. I like that. That sounds good to me. I like diplomatic weight. Um, also, since they moved... I don't know what insider trading was initially. We could go look that up, I suppose. But uh, since that one's now doing the trust cap and trust growth, it makes sense to move it out of the finisher. And I think the diploma uh, diplomatic weight and the envoy are just really, really smart in there. Harmony. Mind and body now increases leader, uh, leader skill cap by plus one. Kinship effect on demolition time buffed from negative 50% to negative 75%. So your demolition time is going to go way up. They're, well, at least 25% extra fast. Bulwark of Harmony moved into Unyielding, replaced with Harmonious Directives, which gives plus one edict cap. Hey, edict caps are good. I like them. Uh, I think it's the Harmony tree I always found really lacking, too. That's uh, the one. I think it's the Harmony one, uh, the one that lets you do federations. That's always our good friend Space Unicorn always takes that in our multiplayer games, but it's not a very sexy tree, so not a big fan. Supremacy tree. Adoption no longer increases starbase cap by plus two, but instead increases naval capacity by plus 20. I would say boo, but I'm pretty sure that's why they're doing the unyielding tree here in a minute. So I like naval cap. The great game. Old effects removed now increases damage done to starbases by plus 20%. Okay, we got to open up a thing here. Let's see. The great game. Stellaris. I don't know what that tradition did. 
the great. No, nothing. Okay. Well, let's check it out. Let's go more into the weeds here. Uh, supremacy tree. Do do. Oh, they don't have the names of each one of them on here. Oh, on the wiki. Uh, that's just a little bit of a stinker for our usage here. Hmm. What should it say? Do you give any other details here I can look at? The great game. Oh, it just says old effects removed. Well, uh, I guess we'll have to go into the game at some point and check that one out. Diplomacy tree appears to be the one that let you do federations, by the way, instead of the, what was it, harmony I just called out? Let me see where harmony is. Harmony. Oh, harmony's called synchronicity. Yeah, these terms are just a little bit hard because of how they get switched for the gestalt stuff. So thanks to the wiki for calling that out. The harmony tree is not one I dislike, or in my terms, the synchronicity tree. I wanted to, let me make a quick clarification. I was actually poo-pooing the diplomacy tree before. Because that's the one we always are like, oh, I don't want to be that one. It's a bummer. Let's take a look at what it is right now. Diplomacy tree. And for gestalts, well, because right now we're doing machine empires. That's called the versatility tree. Uh, it's not bad, I guess. It's just not. I mean, actually, it's not so bad for. Sorry, I'm reading and talking and I shouldn't be. It's not awful for the machine empires. Right now it does the trust cap and the opinion of other oh trust cap from other machine intelligences and plus 20 opinion from them get a market 10 percent market reduction thing got negative five percent upkeep for all jobs negative 10 percent housing usage negative 33 percent resettlement cost okay well yeah that tree is boring <laughs> let's just say it like that it's boring i think that maybe the changes they talked about will make the diplomacy one a lot more exciting. The embassy with unity, the envoys getting that uh, favor cap, their potential role. We got the trust or bust, which is the trust cap we just talked about. And diplomatic weight going up by 10%. So actually, the diplomacy tree is falling in line with what diplomacy is. Uh, the current one has nothing, it's very little to do with diplomacy, in my opinion, from how it's listed on the wiki. But I'll let you read that because I already worry I'm rambling and this is probably hard to listen to. So <laughs> let me just keep going down the list. Uh, so we were just at supremacy. Let's go on to prosperity. The only change to this one, they say, is finisher no longer provides merchant jobs per pop on a planet, but rather increases stability by plus five and pop resource output by 5%. This will apply to all types of empires. Well, that sounds reasonable. Here's the new and exciting ones, though. Let's dive into this. It says we are adding three new tradition trees to the game. Mercantile, Unyielding, and Subterfuge. Subterfuge is currently unlocked by Nemesis. Unyielding is unlocked by Apocalypse. And Mercantile, originally supposed to be unlocked by Megacorp, is available to everyone. The reason being that we wanted to see how it felt to have the trade policies unlocked through this tree. It will therefore no longer be possible to convert trade value into energy plus consumer goods slash unity unless you have the adaptive economics policies tradition, which is number three on this list below. Okay, uh, so that's interesting. You're going to get well, that's exciting, I guess, for the future, because it sounds like we're going to get a new tradition tree per expansion that comes out. So, I mean, that that excites me in a way like I'm, I'm open to that for sure. The mercantile tree, this one again being free. When you adopt it, Starbase collection range goes up by plus one, trade protection by plus five. They have trickle up economics. Clerks provide an additional plus one trade value. Uh, the next one is commercial enterprises, which says commercial zones. 
Uh, buildings now provide plus one merchant job. Also applies to commercial districts for ring worlds and habitats. Uh, adaptive economic policies can convert parts of the trade value into unity or consumer goods. Uh, this one says number three is a swap. I don't know what this is. Maybe this one's going to be a changer coming in here. I'm really not sure what their note means, but it says three swap federal trade fleets. Tradition swap for empires that are members of a trade league federation increases fleet contribution to the federation fleet by 50% similar to uh, Entente coordination. Okay. I don't really know that. So brain fart here. Marketplace or of better ideas increases your trade value by 10%. And the last one being insider trading, move the diplomacy traditions. Oh, move from this diplomacy traditions, negative 10% market fee. And the finisher increases trade value by 10%. Um, yeah, we're almost at the bottom of this list here looking at it. Unyielding. This is exciting to me. Added by Apocalypse. Right away, you get uh, by adopting it the Starbase cap by plus two, Starbase upgrade speed by 50%. Resistance is frugal. Strongholds buildings now produce three unity and defense army health is increased by 33%. Never surrender reduces planetary bombardment damage by negative 25%, war exhaustion by negative 25%, and increases hostile claim costs by 25%. That's kind of cool. I mean, it's just going to make it harder for people to bombard you. It's going to make it um, your war exhaustion be 25% less. And again, it's going to make hostile claim costs on your territory go up by 25%. So that's cool. Probably less claims. But I mean, the AI just depends on how much unity, or I'm sorry, influence. They're rocking. Bulwark of Harmony. Move from Traditions Tree. Effects are as of before. Well, I can't really see that one easily. Fortress Doctrine. Increases the hit points and damage of star bases and defensive platforms by 33% and reduces the upkeep cost of star bases by 20%. I mean, that's good. Defense in depth increases Starbase cap by two and reduces Starbase upgrade cost by 50%. In addition, owners of Nemesis will also increase hostile operations difficulty by plus four for the sub, uh, sabotage Starbase operation. And then the finisher, max defensive platforms plus 50%. Very, very much about holding your ground, that tree. Unyielding is all about not being destroyed in war. So I'm a fan. I mean, that's going to go, hmm, I think that's one I would pick. I just, I, I do like the overall structure of it. There are some of these tradition sele selections that if you don't take them right away, it feels like a waste in the current game. And with our uh, having these choices, unyielding is probably always going to be one I take, but it's really, hmm. It's not one I'm going to take right away, although I don't think I want to push it off too far into the future, because if you look at it with the reduction of star base costs, that's really nice. This is a strong one to take. Like, this is a good tree. Hmm. I actually wonder. I'm thinking I might go unyielding before I go supremacy in a lot of games. Supremacy is a must for me because I typically do an aggressive empire, but a lot of that's also for defense because, you know, you're always fighting, whacking someone away from your territory. This one could make a lot of difference in the early game, though. Less claims on your empire, better defenses, cheaper building of those defenses. That's that's really, really important. A good star base and a solid choke hold area can really dissuade an invasion from happening, at least until you put in, like, Starnet AI, and then they laugh at you and crush you. <laughs> uh, okay, last one on the list. Subterfuge, added by Nemesis. 
By adopting it, you get plus one to code breaking. Information security adds one to encryption. Operational security adds plus one code breaking, plus two operations skill. Non-disclosure agreements. Hostile operation difficulty is increased by plus one, and hostile operation cost and upkeep is increased by 50%. Double agents. Whenever a hostile operation targeting us fails, we gain 10 intel on the offending empire. Oh, that's cool because you're flipping the agent. I like that. Shadow recruits increases infiltration speed by 50%. And the finisher is successful operations refund half their cost on infiltration level. Wow. If you made it through all that, I apologize. I shouldn't read those off verbatim because that drives me crazy doing that. But I like to talk about each and every change. And that's the very first time I read that list. This is, (laughs) I use you all as my uh, sounding board. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't read these patch notes as in depth. So thank you for listening and thank you for getting me to do that. Now let's talk about this and some other random thoughts in my head. Subterfuge and the Intel mechanics are not at all interesting to me. I was a bit worried about it. Uh, I would be very curious to hear your feedback on that because I'm not sitting here just poo-pooing the system. I don't actually think it's, it's not a detriment. And hallelujah, if anyone listened to those past episodes, that's what I was worried about is I just don't find spying very interesting in 4X games or anything like that. And I continue to feel that way. No offense to Solaris. I'm a hard sell on that. I do hope there are people that are loving it, but I will also admit I don't think it's there. It's not at a stage that I'm excited about, at least. Like, it just really, I don't waste my time or money on it, to be fair. I'm like, let me just build fleets and go destroy worlds at that rate. Like, the only thing I can complain about for this, and I'm not sure that I'm like, I'm somewhere in the, in the middle with it. It is annoying to me that we can't easily tell what other fleets are using as armor and weapons. When you're going into combat, you could usually look at what they were using and then modify your fleets accordingly. But now you have to do a big spying thing. It's just not worth it, in my opinion. Like, it's really, I mean, I don't know. Everyone has a different play style and everyone plays a different difficulty level. And I don't doubt for a single second that that factors in a very, very large way. I, with the Starnet mod, am getting, like, massive Federation wars happening. Like, yesterday, we were at war three different wars because the AIs declared on us. And each of those wars had about five different empires involved in those federations. So we were literally at war with, like, uh, somewhere somewhere around, like, 12 different AIs at, at one point, give or take, in each federation a couple. It was just rough. I mean, that was, that was a hard one, and, and it makes the infiltration thing completely useless. Now, I recognize that as a modded approach. Uh, the Starnet AI makes them more likely to go to war with you when they're already federated in these big battle packs and everything. But still, I'm a little bit meh. Like, I wish I could know what their fleets were rocking a little bit better. But I can't. And that's okay. I'm not. It's not the end of the world. I just, when we talk about getting rid of choice selection, Stellaris staff, that's one of those ones that, again, really, really needs to be looked at. But now to the venting point of this thing. Because more than any of this, as a guy that's clocked close to a thousand hours, let's see what's my Stellaris count now. Uh... I have come up with a couple things that I might be mentioning again and again and again, but they need to be talked about. 868 hours now. I'm not at the thousand mark. Dang it. Anyway, soon. Maintenance. Let's talk about how this is the actual large meta to the game. Maintenance jobs, aka your amenities on planets, are out of control, and it's not any new player's fault. I... 
This can kick a new player in the teeth so hard they choose never to pick up Stellaris ever, ever, ever again. And it wouldn't be at all their fault. The game is either completely busted in this way or is just completely off the chain and has no mechanics in place to stop it. What we're talking about specifically is if you go and look at one of your planets, and I think you press the X key, you're looking at your population uh, tab where everyone's employed in different areas. You have an upper and a lower set of jobs. I think the upper ones are called specialists and the lower ones are your more menial jobs. Menial jobs are traditionally like your maintenance people that make amenities. You got your new ones that do the consumer goods or alloy. You have your energy credit producers. You got your miners and potentially like science districts. I might be missing one. Oh, food producers are in there for farming. I, I might have missed one or double said one. Sorry. That mechanic is terrible, Stellaris. This is terrible. And it's like the most important thing in the game. But it's really bad. Like, don't get me wrong. It's not stopping me from playing Stellaris. I adore this game. But it is terrible. I can't hold back, you guys. It's real, real bad. Because I find myself playing that game almost exclusively in Stellaris. Like, it's really bad. Um, it would be like... Uh, I'm, this is a really bad real world example, but let's say like with a ownership of a car, car is for driving and that's what you're supposed to do with it. But imagine that instead of actually driving your car, most of your job was just to fill out paperwork about your car, like 75% of the time. That's kind of how I see Stellaris right now, where it's like, we're supposed to be driving and having fun and doing this like conflict where our fleets are moving out, we're attacking planets and we're, we're actually engaging in that stuff. But instead... I'd argue that somewhere close to 50 to 75% of my time is akin to writing essays about how my empire is doing. Like I sit there and micro those maintenance jobs because the automation slash the tools that we have for prioritizing don't exist or are really, really bad. So basically I'm saying people avoid choosing those maintenance admin sort of jobs. So they're not getting you enough amenities on their own if you if you don't go down there and micro every one of your planets you might get that little riot icon in the top bar that says your people are really unhappy and stability is falling almost exclusively because you don't have people working the maintenance jobs so what you do then is you drop down the little thing and then you click on the maintenance icon and everyone swarms into that job. So they all stop being energy credit producers. They stop being farmers. They might even stop being people in your specialty bar like scientists and forge people. Uh, they might stop being security folks. They'll all rush down into that one. So what do you do? Well, you click on that little negative icon there, the minus sign. And you start decreasing how many people are in there. Because the way that mechanic works, you click on the icon, it says priority. So again, everyone rushes in. So now all your people are there, but you've got to lower the cap of how many. Because you might be looking at people producing like 100 extra amenities. But again, they're skipping out on working food and energy credits. And that will reflect really quickly in your top bar, depending on how many worlds you have. Uh, you might find yourself short a couple hundred energy credits, depending on who left what job. So again, we're doing this balancing act where we start pressing the minus, 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 and we get it down to a point where I like to sit somewhere around, depending what the stage of the game is. If it's really early, I like to have the most minimal amount of positive amenities. So like whether that's five or something like that, I could try and get a little over one 
but I, I try and keep them low. As it gets later in the game, I might up that to like 15, 20, and, and maybe even higher, depending on how many job spots I need to get filled. Like how many extra people do I have unemployed? But this is huge. I mean, if you've got anywhere over one or two worlds, which everyone's going to have more than one or two worlds at some point, then that's just extremely micromanaging. And the game is super unforgiving. Here, here's again where it gets, well, I should say here's where it becomes especially unforgiving. You can only prioritize one per tier. So in that lower area, you can only say, hey, stack on the uh, maintenance jobs. But then after that point, they could all go over to farming and you might want them on energy credit production. Well, your only way to kind of min-max those secondary folks is to kill off all the farming jobs there. I'm in this case talking about pressing the minus sign, but you could go and actually switch up the district slots if you wanted, but I don't think you should have to. Again, it's a lot of that idea of like you're having to write an essay on monotony and boring, like this isn't the game. This is not the game. I do not think that's the game that the developers want. I truly don't. Because although in theory, it has the idea of, yes, you're micromanaging your planets and you're telling everyone what to do, but is that really the scope of Stellaris? Because I don't think it is. And I genuinely don't think the devs think that's it either. Not when they're adding in really cool systems like, the, you know, the uh, spying, uh, not when you're adding in these cool custodianship things, not when we've got endgame crises and all this other stuff going on. I genuinely don't think that it like twenty three ninety nine in game that they're expecting you to sit there and micro those maintenance jobs. But it's really bad. Like, it's not fun. It's a large part of the game. And if you're not doing it, it might be why you're having trouble in Stellaris. Genuinely, 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 that might be one of the biggest problems. Stellaris has a hard learning curve, and that is one that is super duper duper unforgiving. So I'm just throwing it out there as my daily vent. In each episode, I like to call out something. What should be done? Well, the lamest answer I have for everybody, and I don't think this would work super well for the non-Gestalt ones, because I sound a little ignorant here, and I am ignorant to this, but I don't know what the clerk people do in the other empires because again i don't play them but my lame answer that's not even the one i love would be to say just get rid of those job sets don't have them the amenity system eh. i mean i only really use it to stack no i only use it to just make sure my people aren't in revolt and that's not a hard mechanic it's just a tedious mechanic what should happen that requires more work on the devs parts the ai that kind of exists in your own empire, the automation, I should say, that exists in your own empire. Without pressing the automation button, by the way, I'm just talking the background, how do people go to what job in what order? They should always, always make sure that there is plus one amenity happening so that you're never, ever in this negative situation. Again, it doesn't work that way, and it should. So let's hope that that does become a thing. I hope the custodian team works on it because it's a huge glaring issue. And I find it, again, taking a ton of my time. And I know I, I, I mean, I'm using my friends here to say I don't exist in a microcosm, but like chatting with my friends while we're doing multiplayer, that is the majority of what they have to do too. So I know I'm not alone alone in this situation. If anyone out there firmly disagrees, I always welcome that feedback because it's very possible I'm missing a large chunk of the game. 
Having excess amenities on a planet does do a multiplier sort of approach or an extra percentage to how much your people are producing. I don't exactly know where the line in the sand is on that. Like how many extra amenity makers do you want? Because again, they're going to improve the amount of things produced. But we could live without that. Like if it were just swiped out of the game tomorrow, we'd all be able to live and play and Everyone will be happy. I mean, maybe this is me calling for the death knell of the blue districts as they stand. I'm not sure. Are they needed? Should we get rid of them? Like, it sounds like that could be a viable option. If they don't add to the game, then taking the note out of their own book about choice overload, then it obviously subtracts. And I'm thinking this is big, big, big subtraction. I call it out for new players especially because it's not a sexy part of the game. It's not an exciting part of the game. It's not a rewarding part of the game. It is a necessary one. It is it is busy work. Ah, that's what it is. It is busy work. It literally is busy work. It's it's when your teacher just assigns you pointless, useless content that's like, okay, but this doesn't help me grasp it and it doesn't excite me and it's not gonna further me. So it is busy work. Let's do away with it, Stellaris. Let's cut that blue district out. I mean, the other districts add housing. So if you're adding in a generator district, that's housing. If you add in one of the alloy production districts, it comes with housing. I think a large rebalance of how that section is done should be what comes into question. Do we need the blue districts at all? I think some empires might. Again, I'm leaving the door open to, to other people that play non-Gestalt, because I think so. But for Gestalts, we could totally get rid of it. If we got rid of the amenity system as a whole, we could get rid of it. And that's a big question. Either, you know, d d does Dolores need the amenity system as it stands? I'd argue pretty much no. Not if we're going to be playing with more exciting tools. That's the thing is I, I don't see this as like a, uh, hey, you're being reductionist and you're getting rid of something. I'm getting rid of or attempting to find a way to get rid of busy work because we have sexy, exciting work to be done out there. We're going to have tradition tree choices here coming up soon that we're going to be able to choose between that. We've got really cool science that's going on. We've got worlds that are under attack. We've got bigger, more important community, uh, galactic community choices that are going on. So should you as a player just have to sit there and micro all of those amenity things? My answer is no. But I think it could stay in the game so long as they program that little behind the scenes roll of the dice that those people are always making sure there's a minimum of plus one amenity on that planet. That would solve it. But that's not enough either. We really, really do need more choices to what job order they go in. Maybe it's something where we could actually uh, drag and drop those jobs on like a list there in the UI so that they always will fill in a certain order, like a trickle down thing. Always take this job, then this job, then this job, then finally the last job. That's how it gets filled. I think the plus and minus cap, at least if, you know, if we're not talking about blowing up the UI entirely, the plus and minus cap should be there in some way. Uh, but ideally, that thing's not the answer. I should also go on in case we have new players listening and say that there is a secondary option. Like when you're in the specialty people above, the, the science jobs, the enforcers that are making sure you don't have criminal activity, you get another priority selection up there as well. So you can select a priority for the specialty and then for the, um, the what do they call that again? Uh, the unspecialized, the lower ones, menial labor sort of ones that the people are doing down there. Like those, you get one of each and it's just not working. So there's that. There's my thoughts on should maintenance exist in the game? I'd argue no. It's very, very tedious. It's 
distracting, I would argue, for new players. And it's it can make or break you. I think in a previous one, I mentioned something to a very similar effect where there is an option in game <clears throat> that uh, one of the quests in there, the little like probably science anomaly quests, gives you some pops. And it says, hey, we're going to assimilate these people into the Empire. Great. But only in that case, if you go and look at the what's actually happening there, was I noticing that even though the game told me it was assimilating them, it was actually purging them as undesirables. So I'm thinking that whole system has some either bugs in it or just it's not working to its best. I'd love to see them improve it because I'd immediately have more fun. It immediately, as a guy with Carpal Tunnel too, not have to like click an extra dozen times down there. They have done some work into expanding the uh, hotkey selection there. So you can pop around those little planetary menus a little bit better if you memorize those hotkeys. But I don't know. I don't want to beat a dead horse too, too much. There was one other area I was going to talk about. I think that kind of ties in where I'm like, hey, that subterfuge thing doesn't really interest me, but that's because I'm more busy doing this other stuff that I don't want to do. What was the, I'm trying to think. Was there anything else from our last game that desperately caused issues? Uh, we've been noticing a lot of desync stuff in multiplayer. We are playing with mods, though, that could cause it. If anyone here wants to ever do multiplayer with us, we're very friendly to new players. We do run a lot of mods and stuff, but we're always happy to answer questions. If you want to hop in and chat with us, go to revelatornetwork.com forward slash gilded. G-U-I-L-D-E-D. That is where we host our chat servers and all that cool stuff. We've got friends in there. We've hopped into a couple people's games here, uh, had some new players come through. It's just been an absolute blast. My love of Stellaris runs so deep. <laughs> That's why I, I really want to give solid feedback. That's meaningful and not just complaining to complain because this game is really my favorite 4X I've ever touched. And it just always has me thinking about it. I'm sure I'll come up with some other things in the future that need uh, addressed, but I think that one does take the cake. Oh, the other one that is intrinsically tied in, and I'm sure you've heard me say this before, but the notification system is also a really big, big struggle in Stellaris. I, if they, as the dev team, could address the maintenance issue, why, why the people never take the jobs or why they flood it too much, and then the notification issue. I think if they knocked those two things out, Stellaris would almost become a whole new game for the better. Like it would just radically change how people engage with it. No microing the planets unless you really want to, in which case the options would still be there, but you shouldn't need to. And then the notification system, which is really, really, really distracting. Um, yeah, yeah, that's the last thing. That's what I wanted to point out. The notification system, I had it even pop up when I was trying to rename fleets the other day. So it was like throwing me pop-ups over top of me, changing my fleet names behind it. And I'm like, what is this? I'm a guy that has a pet peeve that I hate when even Windows, like the operating system, tries to take my cursor and put it somewhere in a different window. Um, like on boot up when other programs are still launching or something, it's like, Hey, I'm here. Hey, I'm here. Look at me first. I'm coming over top of the window that you're already interacting with. I'm a guy that's like, that should be illegal in my own pet peeve world. But in Stellaris, yeah, stop. It can't. Why is it happening? And why are they the lamest notifications in the world? They're really bad. Trade deals, though, don't pop up like that. But 
silly, silly stuff does. I mean, there needs to be a reprioritization of that too. So that's, that's where I'll leave that one. We can have a much larger conversation about that in the future. But I say again, if those two things got tackled in 2021 or early 2022 with the next expansion that I'm assuming we'll get in the spring, if those things happen, holy crap, Stellaris could launch to a whole new like Phoenix from the ashes. Although I don't think there's any ashes. This game is in no bad state at all. It's clearly on the increase. Clearly, clearly, clearly. And with the custodian team, I think that's why I yell these things even louder. Because I'm just saying, look over here. It is busted. This needs fixed real bad. You got to fix it. Hurry up. And if, again, if they tackle those two, I think um, I will well surpass a thousand hours in the game. I'll be, I'll be uh, careening towards 1,500 in no time. Uh, and my my carpal tunnel hands will be very, very, very happy without it. So without further ado, uh, let's call this episode to a close. I thank you all for listening. Thank you for listening to my rants as well. I truly love to hear your feedback on any of those. Like if I'm terribly wrong and, you know, you have a huge reason why you disagree with any of it, send me an email, kyle at revelatornetwork.com. If you'd like to keep this show going and increase what we do with it, make it bigger, better, and more often, consider becoming a subscriber over at Revelator Network. Uh, revelatornetwork.com forward slash subscribe for that one but just get in there have fun like i said you can go to the forward slash gilded extension there too and that'll send you over to our chat servers it's just a blast i love playing with people i picked up that game humankind also if anyone out there is a civilization like a sid meyer civilization lover i grabbed humankind i haven't started it yet i heard it's uh i heard it's really cool but also it's got some like lacking AI interaction in it. And it just that hearing that this morning, I was very much thinking about how much I appreciate Stellaris's AI, that they feel like they're alive and have goals. They really feel like you're in a, well, just a living galaxy. And that's one of the complaints I heard from a, just a journalist this morning about humankind feeling like none of the AIs are really exciting or interact with you. So I'm going to get in there at some point. I'm going to play around. Very curious. If any of you are in the same boat, feel free to add me over on Steam. It's Kyle Paranormal. Uh, I'll gladly accept you. Just send me a DM and be like, hey, I'm from the Stellaris Emergency Broadcast Podcast or wherever, whatever floats your goat. Let's do it. Let's get out of here for today. It's getting kind of hot in the house. Go turn on the air conditioning again. Stay safe out there, everyone. And until the next update, we'll be playing Stellaris. Bye-bye.